inside the radio octagon. This is Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. And good afternoon. It is the Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage for Sask Lotteries, bringing communities together. Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. Brendan McGuire, Pete Pasco, and uh, can you believe that Gloria Evans agreed to help us with the Sports Cage? Clearly, we need adult supervision. They brought in the big guns. I always, I always felt like this was kind of beneath her. We I are. tried dragging Cody in, and he kind of gave me that vibe. Mm-hmm. So no, it's it's clearly we're alternating. Supervision. We will alternate through this. Adult supervision coming up on the program. SJHL Commissioner Kyle McIntyre. Uh, he's on his way to town to do another interview with Pete. So Pete's gonna, I don't know, double o- grilling over interview Kyle McIntyre today. Lots to talk about the SJHL level. We're going to give away some tickets to the Montana's Briar, which start on Friday. Nice. Barney's going to be down at the Brant Center for that, for the Sports Cage on Friday. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on in the program, Arash Madani will join us. We're going to talk a little bit about the Raptors, if anybody's still paying attention to them. I kind of am. Kind of feels like the whole country was set on fire over that championship run. Yeah. And hard to believe that's been almost five years now. But it feels like everybody's forgotten all about that, and we're right back to where we were. Even the TV numbers out here for the Raptor games have been, just been dreadful. And how many Oscar players game. from that team are even still on the Raptors? Ooh, not many. It's a good question. Maybe yeah. Chris Boucher, that's about they it. They might be gone. And uh, Rob Vanstone will join us in Hour 3. Going to ask him a little bit about what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets. He's a diehard Jets fan. Yeah. And uh, figure out, jeepers, Rob, what the heck do you do in February? around Mosaic Stadium. He's probably the only one really working over there. I would imagine. He's been churning it out on the website, and he had a nice piece with Jeremy O'Day the other day. So he is deep into the history of the Riders, sort of reinventing... Well, they didn't really have much of a historical section on their website, so that's Rob's baby. I think... Uh, Everybody has seen how the National Football League has marketed their history, particularly through the NFL network, Mm -hmm. and everybody's trying to do the same thing. And I think the one league that has an opportunity to do that is the CFL, because they do have such a long, they have a longer history than the NFL. True. So Rob is kind of the forefront of that with the riders. We'll talk to him. And of course, press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire, all coming up in hour three. But mm-hmm. before that, we are going to go out onto the Western Pizza Hotline. We are very pleased to be joined by someone who will be working much harder tonight than Peter I will uh, for the rest of today. He is the third leading scorer for your Regina Pats. Ty Spencer joining us from the great city of Seattle. Ty, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you guys uh, had a couple of losses to start this road trip, first in Spokane and then in Tri-City. kind of takes a while to get that jet lag off, doesn't it, after a long trip when you've been on the bus for two days straight? Yeah, obviously it's, uh, it's a lot for us. You know, you do this trip kind of once a year where you have a, a long bus ride to, you know, an unfamiliar place. So, um it definitely took a couple, uh, you know, ice times to kind of get the legs back under ourselves. But, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun here so far. Hey, Ty, for fans maybe who don't know, this trip normally would have already been in the books for you guys. But, but you know, with aggravation and now with the Briar, sort of been kicked out of your home facility. And uh, you're doing the West Coast trip a little later than usual. Does that mess with things for you guys in terms of uh, your normal preparation routine? 
not I wouldn't say not overly. Um, you know, last year we uh, we made the BC trip um, right after Christmas there, but um, you know, it's 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 as long as you know we're ready for it. Um, you know, we're this this was a big road trip for us. Obviously, uh, where we're at right now, it's uh, it's really important that we win these games, and you know, it's something that's kind of at the back of your mind throughout the season because you know you do it once it's a fun trip um but it doesn't to me it doesn't really matter you know when it was um but you know i'm, I'm excited to be here it's, it's a lot of fun al miller has been tinkering with the lineup off and on i guess throughout the season but is this the first chance for you guys as a group a core group to get together for an extended period it seems like maybe you haven't had that opportunity yeah you know what there's been uh there's been a lot of movement this year, and you know, with a uh, with a long road trip comes uh, a lot of team bonding. And you know, over the last uh, couple of days that we've been here, you know, we've done a lot of you know outside of hockey team bonding. You know, going for going for walks, seeing um, seeing what's around Seattle and the states here. It's uh, it's been awesome getting to know the guys. That uh, that last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, the eighth spot, it it slipped a little further away because of those last two losses. But I'm assuming you guys are still uh, staying positive and still in the hunt until you're not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been uh, it's been a grind, that's for sure. Um, the second half of the season, you know, we've got, we kind of know where we are right now and uh, know how important these games are. And you know, it's yeah, you know what, we might have slipped a little bit but you know it's a mindset and uh you know as long as we're positive and you know having that right mindset um there's still a chance and that's what uh we believe that we're gonna make it our guest on the western pizza hotline is regina pats forward ty spencer perfect pizza with a generous amount of toppings plus greek food like souvlaki ribs salads all the goodness you can't make at home call western pizza today ty i think some of the fans would be curious to know who does Ty Spencer room with? Who does Ty Spencer hang around with when he's on the road or back here in Regina during the season? Who are some of your teammates that you're especially close with? <laughs> well, uh, the second half of the season, I'm with uh, I'm room with Zach Moore. He's a familiar face, also from from Saskatoon. But uh, I got some close buddies: uh, Braxton Whitehead, Sam Aremba, Tanner Howe. You know, we've kind of Braxton being my age and Sam living close, always playing against him along with Tanner. Um, you kind of make those connections just through, um, like I said, playing against each other. But uh, I've been uh, busting with Whitehead and, you know, on an 18-hour bus ride, you kind of figure uh, you learn a lot about him. And, uh, yeah. That's a badge of honor that you guys get in the WHL uh, I know that when I worked in the Ontario Hockey League, they would t- complain about the road trips, and then they would remember what you guys have to go through out west. So it's legendary, the things that you guys have to go through on those long bus rides all the way out to the west coast. Uh, being a provincial guy from Saskatoon, do you feel like it's partly incumbent upon you to make the other kids who are from other provinces feel at home when they're in Regina? Yeah, absolutely. Um and you know what? That comes a lot with uh, being an older guy on this team. You know, we got a we I, we got a younger team this year, obviously with the with the rebuild that we're in the middle of right now. But um, you know, making sure guys are feeling comfortable. Um, you know, for newer guys who aren't from here, it can be a little bit scary. 
And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was, uh, I was originally drafted by Kamloops. And when I first went out there, um, it was a little nerve nerve wracking, but, uh, it was the players, the older players that made me feel comfortable. And you know what, that's just what I'm trying to do with these younger guys here. You, uh, not a rookie by any means, uh, but you're having probably, and I haven't looked at the numbers. I'm assuming it's your best offensive season in the league. After that number 98 guy moved on in the off season, uh, did, did the coaching staff come to you and say, hey, Ty, we, we need you to uh, to play a bigger role in the offense this year? Or how are you feeling about the way your season's gone? Yeah, you know what? I, I think my uh, my season's been going really well. Um, obviously, with the, with the loss of Connor, we knew things were going to change. Um, you know, he's a great player. But, um, you know, now that he's gone, um, you know, everything kind of changes for us. Um, a lot more dependent on other guys. Um, but also comes a lot more responsibility and uh, opportunity. And so, you know, with the, with younger guys coming in here and older guys being relied on, um, you know what, I think we've done a good job of it. And uh, I think with where our team is at and what our team is uh, striving for, I think uh, there's a lot of potential for us. You mentioned uh, earlier your hometown up the highway that you share with uh, Zach Moore. Gotta ask, what's the chirping like when you guys get together with the Blades? <laughs> uh, you know, the Blades have been uh, have been my uh, favorite team growing up. So whenever I play against them, I think it's uh, it's pretty cool. But yeah, we got a couple guys that were previously on that team, and uh, you know, it's last year playing them in the playoffs. It's uh, it gets a little rowdy, that's for sure. There's definitely some uh, some chirps going around. It's a competitive league. That series last year, I don't think we need to revisit. It was a heartbreaker the way it ended. Is there still some carryover from that when you play the Blades? Uh, yeah, it's always it's always been in the back of our minds. Um, like you said, it was kind of a kind of a heartbreaker, you know, being such a close series. Um, I use I personally use it as motivation. Mm-hmm. I don't know about some of the other guys, just because um, I don't know if they were on this team at the time, but. Uh, um, yeah, I definitely use it as motivation playing against them. I noticed on the schedule, it was uh, earlier this week, the Boston Bruins were playing in Seattle. And one of the cool things about doing that West Coast road trip was that you got to go and see some NHL games while you were out there. More in Vancouver, now that Seattle has a franchise. Somebody's waving at me out the window. That was very distracting. Uh, Did you guys get a chance to go see that game between Boston and Seattle, or do you get to see any NHL games while you're on this West Coast road trip? Uh, You know what? No, we didn't uh, didn't get out to see the Seattle versus Boston. Um, We would have liked to just because we had a, a former Pat Riker Evans all right. um, potentially playing in playing in that game, but uh, it just kind of didn't work out. We didn't um, end up getting out there, but uh, you know we would have liked to. Would have been really cool. You you need to uh, strike a deal with the coaching staff next time when you when you're on these trips that they'll make sure that you get into the city that you need to to go see these NHL games. Maybe if you get a split in the first two games or or what have you. Uh, do you have any embarrassing Dante Decaria stories that we can blackmail him about? Only between us. <laughs> yeah, no one's listening. Only cool. between us. Um, you know what? It, it might have been a... Actually, you know what? It would have been uh, yesterday. We uh, <laughs> we had a day off in, in Seattle here, and uh, we went to the zoo. 
and uh, me, me and a couple guys and Dante tagged along with us because you know he's a he's a big animal guy. And uh, we've heard we were going, we're walking across, and uh, we get past this lizard section, and mm-hmm. he's got a couple mm-hmm. lizards at home, and he's you know telling all the boys, oh come on, like let's go, let's go see these lizards and stuff. Um, they didn't end up being in there, but there's a couple snakes, and I was just asking him some fun facts about what he knows about them, and I thought it was pretty funny. It probably stunk when you walked past there, and you could have said, "Smells like Dante's basement." But all oh kidding. yeah, he's got all the all the aquariums and animals in his. Drew, Drew Posty and I were summoned to help him lift this tank up two flights of stairs, and you couldn't like shake this tank because it was. Like made of, you know, it was homemade probably by him. It wasn't very well put together, obviously. <laughs> and there was all this glass on it. So Drew and I know all about that. Is there one person on the roster who you would say is the biggest prankster on the Regina Pats? Ooh, prankster. Um, if I'm going to be honest, I'd probably go with myself. Nice. You win the trophy. Near, uh, near Zach Chance. Okay. The pranksters. Can you share any stories uh, that are radio uh, appropriate? Yeah. <laughs> and won't have the cops wait for uh, you when you get back. There's been a, there's been a couple times where maybe we'll put some uh, put some shorts in the freezer or something, or put a little cup under their under their helmet for when they're getting dressed. Nice. A little <laughs> little surprise for them, but. Uh, Nothing too crazy, no. Nothing wrong with the classics. Well, I want you to pull that on Dante, and I want to make sure you get that on film and that you send it (laughs) to us when that happens. Ty Spencer, thank you for taking some time for us today on game day. Are you a pregame nap guy, or do you just sit around? Oh, no, I'm not a nap guy. I've uh, I've tried before, but it's just, you know, not one of the the things that I do. So I kind of just sit around and... uh, you know, relax, get the game, get the legs going before the game, and uh, just hang out. Napping is not your jam. Okay, well, good luck tonight in Seattle, and we'll all be listening 6.30, uh, actually I said 6.30, 6.30 Pacific Time, 8.30 pregame show with Dante DiCaria, puck drop just after 9 o'clock Saskatchewan time. Good luck, Ty. Thank you. And that is Ty Spencer joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline from your Regina Pats. Nine points out of a playoff spot in the Western Conference. It's going to be tough. Running out of time, but they have had a couple of blow- Their last two wins were blowouts, yep. and it's funny how it makes the optimism grow so much whenever they have a game like that, like that 6 nothing win over the Calgary Hitman on Family Day. Mm-hmm. And then it comes right back down after those two losses they had on Friday, Saturday. And I guess... That's the sort of thing you sort of expect with a very young lineup as they do have. Consistency is hard to find. One night they'll look great. They'll play very well against the best teams in the league. Other nights, not so much. And his role, and I, we didn't get into this too much with him, but his role, I'm sure, is night and day today from what it was last year when they had that number 98 who you were talking about. Yeah, that about. kid was pretty good. But uh, Ty Spencer, yeah, he's definitely emerged this year. He's uh, He's playing very well on offense. And for folks who don't know, Ty Spencer is, what's the polite way of saying this, diminutive. He's not a big player, but he plays big, and I respect that. Very nicely done. Okay, coming up on this edition of the program, we will talk to SJHL Commissioner Kyle McIntyre. You are listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio, 620 CKRM.
We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Arash, Madani, and Glenn Suter still ahead on this edition of the Sports Cage. Uh, you can join in on the discussion on the Capital Ford Lincoln text line, Saskatchewan's number one Ford retailer, CapitalFordLincoln.com. And we will use that line a little bit later to give away some Briar tickets like we did yesterday, 306-936-6262, or call us toll-free at 1-866-767-0620. You can follow us on social media at Sports Cage. Is the handle? Do you like the little mini pharmacy that I brought in? Wow, you've, you've got quite the set. Got the halls. I've got the Buckleys. I've got the Gatorade. And we are nicely separated. So, yep, it's all good. See, I refuse to adapt to this post-COVID environment where they say just stay home and work from home. Mm. I, I like to come in mm-hmm. and get everybody sick. <laughs> I do my best. Typhoid McGuire, very nice. That was pretty cool that we got to interview Bob McCown yesterday. It was very cool. I actually what, spent what was some the, time thinking about uh, that afterwards. What was the line you used after about meeting your heroes? Yeah, you, normally you don't want to because you end up disappointed. But in that case, it was well worth the wait. Did you ever get disappointed by one of your heroes? Yep. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Too many examples to cite. Well, I'll tell you what. I met my ultimate hockey hero, Daryl Sittler, and he was as advertised. He was great probably helped that he was dating my babysitter at the time but uh <laughs> so he's on his best behavior but i mean there's a hockey hall of famer that was just a class act and took time to talk to me a little snot-nosed kid of whatever i was snot-nosed punk. four or five yep i also wrote on his rookie card to tease my babysitter you know what a daryl sittler rookie card is worth these days i'm such an oh idiot. you ruined the card oh destroyed it kept it as a little memento of how stupid i was but yeah yeah i did that i did that once too i had uh like hockey cards were huge in the 80s mm-hmm. and right early 90s mm-hmm. and i remember one of my best friends his uh stepdad rick metzler opened up metza sportswear in kipling saskatchewan mm. but we were in there for the hockey cards man he had all the rookie cards cool. all the expensive cards and that was the craze have you ever seen the show on net not net yeah netflix trader jack if you like baseball cards, hockey cards, okay, I strongly urge you to watch that program. Cool. But there was just so much excitement, and then it's like it just totally faded mm. by the mid-90s. I think the internet tore the guts out of hockey cards. But I, 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 so I, I, I got one of those uh, rookie cards of Eric Lindros, and it nice. was going to be worth, the Beckett said, it wasn't worth, remember the Becketts? Yep. It wasn't worth very much, but if it was autographed, it would be worth a lot. Ooh. So, of course, I get out a pen. And um, conniving young Brendan thought he would try to forge Eric Lindros's oh. signature on it and ended up completely ruining the card. Bless him. Made learned. it worthless. We're both a couple of, well, we, we learned later. But uh, I have a Paul Henderson signed Toronto Toros card. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, WHA? Yes. Yes. I talked to him a little bit about his time with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Boy, there's a guy who hated Harold Ballard. And really? Paul Henderson does not swear. Does not he doesn't act. seem like the type of guy who hates anybody. He, he made one exception, and that would be Harold Ballard. I said, so can you describe Harold Ballard for those of us who never met him? And he just went, he's a very sick individual. And I went, oh, okay. Did you watch the documentary that uh, Jason Priestley did? Yes. What'd you think? 
seemed about right. Brought back some memories from that time. Not fond ones, necessarily. My my favorite part is how he lived in the gardens. Yeah. The bunker. <laughs> Him and King Clancy squirreled away in the protective bunker. He was a terrible man. There was no, like, natural light coming in. And the people narrating it said, well, Harold liked it. And yeah. It was this big mystery. Where's Harold now? Like, if you'd be walking through the building. Oh, every Leafs game, they'd show the bunker, and he and King Clancy would be there, <laughs> surrounded by all of Harold's friends, so no one. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> There's something really lovable about that part of sport, Canadiana and sport history, mm-hmm. because one of my, another close friend, Marshall Lerner, texted me once, we were talking about Harold Ballard, and he said, I remember he would sit in that bunker with King Clancy, mm-hmm. and he said, didn't look very luxurious. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> And King never looked like he was having the best time ever. <laughs> but, you know, that's but a that, period that's I what miss. Was yeah. Personalities. That's what where I mean, have they yeah. gone? Yeah. Everything's so homogenous now. Everyone's so afraid of giving, oh, that quote that'll motivate the opposition that you don't get anything anymore. Well, that I told the story on air last week, but Kevin O'Leary, I didn't know this. When he was young, he was a runner for the CBC. Hmm. And he went down to Harold Ballard's box and said, they're going to make one of the Soviet players the, the three stars. <laughs> and he says, no, you're not. He says, well, they are. Harold says, you do that. He says, I don't like him. You do that. I'm pulling uh, the breaker. He literally had the breaker oh, wow. in the bunker. And so they announced the second star, Valerie Harlamov or whoever it was, mm-hmm. and he flipped the breaker. Wow. And Kevin O'Leary said, for the first time ever, Hockey Night in Canada went dark. And he admired Harold ever since because that took guts. Uh, yeah, that's one word. We miss Harold Ballard. We need more Harold no, Ballards. I don't miss him at all. Maybe not for the Leafs, but we need him. One somewhere. of the first passings, well, okay, maybe the only one, that I was not even a little bit sad about. I just went, oh, good, maybe the Leafs will get better. And they did, shortly after, for a short while. Yeah, still the same number of Stanley Cups, but yeah. Still ahead on this edition of this program, we will chat with SJHL Commissioner Kyle McIntyre. You are listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio, 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And the Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage continues for Sask Lotteries. Bringing communities together, Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. Brendan McGuire and Pete Pascoe with you in the cage on this Tuesday. Coming up in Hour 2, we are going to give away some tickets to the Montana's Briar, which starts on Friday here in Regina. Have you have you got a favorite for that yet? Well, I'd have you like liked Team the Saskatchewan to win. You like Mike McEwen's chances? Yes. My second choice would be Team BC, because they're skipped by a Regina guy. Catlin Schneider. Yes, sir. Former University of Regina Ram as well. It's a small world. What did he do for the Rams? I want to say defense, like a linebacker or DB. And he ended up in curling. I feel like that's yes. probably a very short list. Well, his dad is Jamie Schneider, a very well-known curler in, in Saskatchewan back in the day. And uh, I don't know if he had a lot of choice on what his other sport would be. But Catlin obviously took to it. Arash Madani will join us as well for Smart Investing Solutions. And Rob Vanstone in Hour 3. The Riders making a couple of moves today. Uh, signing linebacker Diego Fajot. Mm-hmm. And also a former NFL draft pick, Daz Newsom. 
So that's good stuff. He was a sixth round pick in the 2021 NFL draft from the Chicago Bears. That's going to be interesting. Chicago Bears and Geronimo Allison coming in from the Green Bay Packers. I wonder if they'll scrap the butt heads. I don't think they're going to care about that. Not so much. And coming up on the Western Pizza Hotline, we will talk to SJHL Commissioner Kyle McIntyre. And we have him now. Okay. And also uh, still ahead on this edition of the program, I'm going to ask Glenn Suter what he did during the month of February when he was still playing with the Rough Riders. Hmm. Probably did what we're doing right now. And that's talk Talk. on the radio. Yep. Go in, do the BN Newswire. And oh, you're bringing back fond memories. Those were the days. You know, that worked pretty well for him. No kidding. Leverage that into TSN. Not bad. But I don't know that it's so easy for everybody to do that. Like um, for, for, for the longest time, we would complain that these athletes don't get a side job when they're here Mm -hmm. and figure out some way to use their name to transition to the afterlife. Mm -hmm. And I think that's easy if you're from here, like Mm -hmm. guys like we saw, uh, well, Mike McCullough is not from here, but he's from Canada. Uh, We saw, what's his name? Getzlaff. Chris Getzlaff do it. Oh yeah. We saw Mike Abumeshrek do it. Mm -hmm. But if you're an American player, you're playing in another country. That's not so simple. No, it's yeah. not. You have to get through immigration laws. You're navigating living in a new country. Mm-hmm. You're navigating the weather. You're navigating all kinds of stuff. Family concerns. And not only that, your spot on the roster is tenuous at best yep. because you're an American, because of your passport. We always talk about how we need more Canadians and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But sometimes I wonder how fair it is to some of our friends mm-hmm. who come in from the United States and what they bring to our country. Mm-hmm. So I'll be curious to hear Glenn's thoughts on that as well. But right now, we will go out on to the Western Pizza Hotline. We are very pleased to be joined by the man who runs the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, uh, who's coming in to be interviewed not once but twice by Pete Pasco today. Kyle McIntyre, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon. How are you guys today? Doing good. Good, good. I've uh, I've got my little pharmacy set up on my desk here, so we're going to power through because we don't miss a shift. Um, <clears throat> a lot of news has been made lately, and much has been made about the players jumping from league to league. Elliot Friedman even tweeted about it. How many inquiries have you been having to field about, I don't want to say the chaos, but the uncertainty of the future of the Canadian Junior A Hockey League? Well, you know what? Uh, There is a counter-narrative that's going on right now. I would say that uh, right now, uh, the CJHL is probably as strong as it's ever been. Uh, All nine leagues and commissioners are united. Uh, uh, We're on the cusp of a brand-new relationship with Hockey Canada where we're going to be taking on some more responsibility for the oversight and management of junior A hockey. So there's lots of positive things that are occurring right now, and... uh, yeah, there was a defection of some teams to the BCHL, and and the, you know, and you could probably do an entire program on what the motivations were or, or were not, and and so certainly the uh, the plate tectonics of junior A hockey have been shifting a little bit, uh, and and there has been some rumblings, and most of my inquiries are from the media, uh, not from people immediately involved in hockey, so I do think that uh, when all the dust settles. Uh, I think the BCHL is, uh, you know, trying to run a league that's going to compete with the USHL and the Western Hockey League. And, and we in the SJHL, the MJHL and AJHL are, are going to continue to offer a quality league and, and quality opportunities for 
uh, Western Canadian and Canadian kids. Kyle, there's a, a movement afoot, and I'm not even sure who's, who's spearheading it, but uh, an initiative to maybe potentially offer NCAA scholarships to kids currently playing in, well, major junior hockey, the Western League, for example. Would that hurt the SJHL if that ever happens? Well, you know what, Pete? Uh, I've been contemplating that a lot. Uh, there's a lot of differing opinions on that that whole possibility. And, and I mean, that, that, that inclusion, the NCAA, the NIL, that whole uh, narrative, all that, info, all that stuff that's going on behind the scenes, it is going to potentially impact more than the Western Hockey League. Uh, it'll include the KHL. It includes the American Hockey League. Uh, it'll include the SHL. Anyone who hasn't played more than two years. And, and I think it's a real can of worms. I think you'll see the, uh, the smaller NCAA Division I schools are, are hoping that that will make them more competitive. But I think the, the well-established, uh, more prominent NCAA Division I programs will never want that to occur. So although there's a narrative that's out there again, uh, started by uh, folks in the media, I'm not sure that will come to fruition. However, if it does, I think it really opens up uh, more possibilities for, for players in junior A hockey to, to play youth sport or to play uh, NCAA Division Three or, or ACAC or ACHA, which is also a high caliber of, of college hockey in the state. So the pool is always the pool, Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, where the fish kind of swim from that pool, uh, that might change a little bit. But uh, I think lots has to occur before this is actually uh, going to come to fruition. Yeah, that's a good point. We're not going to magically create more players through an initiative like this. There's there's only as many as there are. Um, let's talk right, about your the league. Pool is the pool. Oh, sorry, sorry, Kyle. Uh, let's let's talk about your league. We're into the home stretch. Uh, about a half dozen games left for each team. I'm I'm guessing. Um, th- looks like there's some nice playoff races going. I mean, first place overall. That's that was probably decided a couple of months ago. Flint Flon's going to get that, but uh, as Looking at 5 through 10, there, there's some tight races there. Well, 5 through 10, even tonight, uh, Melville is hosting Kindersley, and that's a that's a huge 5-6 matchup. I think that the teams that from 5 to 10 that are fighting for the playoffs, no one wants to finish 8th. Uh, no one wants to face uh, Flintlon. So, again, we have we have a couple battles that are going on, actually. So we have the, the 5 to 10. Uh, tonight, of course, Yorkton is playing Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame has been on a bit of a heater lately. Uh, they've been a spoiler. I think they're three in a row. Uh, North Battleford on the other end of the uh, spectrum, uh, they dropped three in a row recently. And so now there's a real dogfight for second between Malford, North Battleford, and and, uh, and Humboldt. And so it's really getting interesting. And, of course, teams are running uh, out of airstrip or running out of landing area. There's only six games left. And so there are some teams that probably still control their fate. Uh, there'll be some teams that will benefit from uh, the fate of the remaining teams uh, battling. So it's going to go right down to the wire here in the next couple of weeks for sure. You mentioned uh, teams hoping to avoid a first-round uh, matchup with Flinflon. Is there a team that maybe if you saw them sneak into that number eight spot, you might think, well, they're, they may not beat the Bombers. They may, but they'll give them a great series anyway. Well, you know, I often think about the last couple of years, uh, Esteban has met Flinflon. Uh, in the league final or in the in playoffs uh, last last three years, and they have had absolute epic battles. So last year, of course, uh, Estevan uh, took Flintflon in the game seven, and if it were not for a uh, the ghost of the Whitney form uh, with a ricochet off the glass, 
uh, they might have very well have, have upset the Bombers. And so I think if Esteban, they got a tough schedule to finish uh, this season. If they end up in that eighth spot, uh, they're certainly a team that's capable of, of uh, giving the Bombers a heck of a match, or if not defeating them. I'll put you on the spot, Kyle. What's the nicest facility in the SJHL? We had Cal Gratton on yesterday uh, to talk about the Northern Lights Palace. I know the one in Esteban is beautiful. Can you pick one? You know, it's tough to pick one. Um, I mean, they're they're like both Melville and Esteban have have the newest facilities, and, and certainly both those are are beautiful buildings. But you know, then you got some historical buildings like you have uh, Crescent Point in in Weyburn is a a classic old Junior A arena. And of course, then you got the Whitney Forum, which which has a lot of its own kind of mystique and history and and nuances around it. Um, you know, the Northern Lights Palace is a it's a terrific Junior A rink. Humboldt's got a great Junior A rink. Uh, Kindersley has uh, made lots of uh, renovations and added new seats, and and that's always a great uh, sheet of ice to play on. So there's a lot of real great buildings in the league. Um, I like all of them for differing reasons. Um, you know, like even, even the Mel Hagelin in LaRange, like the fans are absolutely right on top of you in that building. And and when LaRange is in the hunt and when they're in the playoffs and it's a weekend match, uh, they're just like the riders, uh, a 13th man. It, it's really like having a, a sixth man that crowded Mel Hagelin. So uh, every rink, uh, every team uh, has its own rink and, and really – if you look at the division that uh, Melfort and, and LaRange and Flintfon are in, every single team in that division, their home ice gives them an advantage for a different reason. Let's uh, let's get a quick update on the Yorkton Terriers. For folks who don't know, uh, a lot of eyebrows were raised about a month ago now when uh, uh, I guess the administration of the Terriers basically came out and said, we need more fans through the gates or we may not be around long term. Um and of course, folks listening should be well acquainted with the Yorkton Terriers. Uh, all their games air on our affiliate station, GX94, with Benny Walchuk, of course. Can you give us an update? Have things settled down, or is, is the situation still pretty tense? Well, well you know what, Pete? Um, like junior A hockey, uh, especially in, in small communities, it's the backbone of those communities. Like, like really what the Yorkton Terriers or the Melville Millionaires or the Nippon Hawks would offer to their community, like, like it's it's really a lifeline. It's a backbone of those communities. Like those are those are cornerstone institutions. And so, certainly when when the public and the community of Yorkton were made aware that that the Terriers were struggling financially, um, the community and and businesses and and fans certainly have uh, have come to the to the aid of the Terriers. Uh, uh, they've been working on a season ticket drive, and and right now I was uh, checking it this morning. And I think that they have over 600 season tickets sold for next season, which is which is absolutely outstanding. But as you know, in junior A hockey, you need a number of sources of income. Uh, the annual budget for a team is around 700 to 800 thousand dollars. So you have to have season tickets. You have to have corporate sponsorship. Uh, you have to have some fundraisers. Uh, you have to have lots of fundraising activities. Uh, you got to have maybe some donations, and and so certainly the Terriers, uh, you know, they they put a plan in place. Uh, the season ticket drive has has been super successful, has probably uh, exceeded everyone's expectations. Um, they also have a uh, a sportsman's dinner uh, coming up on April the 20th that is going to feature uh, 
the legendary Shorzy star, uh, Terry Ryan. And I think that's going to be a, a terrific event as well. And, and I know that uh, having played in Yorkton and, and uh, knowing some of the people that are leaders in that community, I know there's some community leaders that are also going to step up and, and help the Terriers. And, and again, I think that uh, uh, it's a bit of a wake-up call for everybody. I think you really got to look at having uh, multiple activities uh, in a community that has a junior A hockey team because you need all those resources to keep the team operating and to offer the players a great player experience. So I think the Terriers are going to be just fine. Um, I know they have a number of activities that they're going to announce here in, in the upcoming re- weeks, and I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but uh, the season ticket drive has been highly successful, and, and they're just south of 600 tickets sold already. Good news. Good news. Somebody there should hit up Chris Cuthbert to, to participate in some. Maybe they already have. Uh, there's, there's a guy who called a few Yorkton Terriers games back in the day. Brendan McGuire. Yeah, that's where he had to start. That's where he had to start uh, in Yorkton. And uh, Chris was an inductee in the SJHL uh, Hall of Fame uh, two years ago in Humboldt. And uh, he really spoke fondly of his experiences with, with GX94 and, and the Yorkton Terriers. And uh, really, there's a guy who has not forgot his roots. It's, it was like really moving to, to hear Chris talk about how meaningful his time was with Jerry James and and with the Yorkton Terriers when he was cutting his teeth as a as a broadcaster in Yorkton. I think I've had maybe two conversations with Chris Cuthbert in my entire lifetime. One one of them was in the Ryder Media Room, and there were a couple of people who had come in from Yorkton, and apparently every year Chris Cuthbert would come into Regina, fly into Regina, and drive out to Yorkton to visit with them. So wow. he still has some very close friends and ties to that community. Um, Kyle... We're excited about the playoff race. We will watch with added interest. Thanks for doing this. And um, don't put up with any of Pete's BS when you have to go on TV with him later. Today. Pete's not the one you have to worry about in that scenario. Well, I was thinking about getting a restraining order. I didn't know I was going to run into Pete so many times today. That's fair. Mo- many people around town have them. They could probably set you up pretty quickly. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good afternoon. Okay, that is Kyle McIntyre. Mm-hmm. The, um, is he the president or the commissioner? Commissioner. We'll just call him the king of the Saskatchewan Junior That's Hockey fair. League. Still ahead on this edition of the program, we will check in with Glenn Suter for press coverage uh, for Quality Tire. You are listening to The Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions. Go ahead on this edition of the program in Hour 2. This is the Tuesday edition with Brendan McGuire and Pete Pasco. You had a pretty cool jacket that you brought in. Oh, yeah, that's going way back. Harvard Broadcasting Hockey Team, where a bunch of the on-air and sales folks would go to various places, various communities, and play hockey, generally get our butts kicked, and uh, it was a good time for everyone. Any good stories that you can tell on-air? Well, you just disqualified it with the can tell on air part. Um, no, no, because I was uh, definitely a bench warmer on that team, so I don't have a whole lot to say. Who are some of the famous people that you worked with when you first came in the building? <sighs> Willie Cole, Fred King, Jeff Courier. Jeff, or Fred King was still here. Yep, James cool. Allen, Manfred Jonick. It was a, it was a star-studded cast. It was a little bit intimidating. Not gonna lie. And you were just the little punk who got everybody coffee. No. I was a big deal. I came from Ontario. In my mind, I was a big deal. And then I got here and realized I'm not that big a deal. <laughs> but no, yeah, I was I was a little confident back then. 
So you've been on, on these airwaves off and on for 30 years, basically. Wow. Yeah, now that you put it that way, since uh, 93. I meant to ask you, London, that's where you're from, right? Yep. Yeah. Could they have a CFL team? I don't think they love the CFL enough. They don't. They don't today, but mm-hmm. they don't have a team today. That's true. And they are closer or as close to NFL cities as they are to CFL cities. Yeah, I mean, they're... Uh, I only know that because I lived in Windsor for a year. Two hours away from Detroit and a uh, two-hour drive to Toronto. So it's nicely situated if you're a young sports fan. The Western Mustang football team does well in London. So potentially, I just, I don't know. Southern Ontario just seems to me to be NFL or bust. That's all they care about. Except everybody used to say that in Hamilton for the longest time and then bob young came in he started investing Mm -hmm. now they have the new stadium and now they are a model of success some would even say that they're kind of similar to the riders well i mean if you can watch professional football without having to drive to detroit or toronto that'd probably be pretty handy there's a huge population base to draw from all through southern and southwestern ontario so could probably do pretty well i think that it could work uh only because here we support the riders and we're about 1.2 million strong mm-hmm. but we're spread out yeah like we're i don't know nine hours spread out oh probably and there you're you have almost the same amount of population but it's all within an hour's drive like yeah. you have london is closing in on a half million people yes the surrounding county is about the same mm-hmm. and i think that if they're willing to watch you sport football, which they appear to be open to, mm-hmm. they support the Western Mustangs, I think that they would be just fine supporting the Canadian Football League. So, Especially if some of those Western Mustangs ended up playing on the local CFL team, that would be a nice, right. nice connection. It, it probably wouldn't be good for the college program. Not ideal, but I mean... You could have 50-50s and things like that at the games, which help fund the college program. Some great like ways have. to cross-promote, I would think. And the uh, and the overlap with the junior team, there's not much. Like, that would be a mm-hmm. good fit, wouldn't it? That's true, yeah. When when the London night season starts, pretty well everything else shuts down in, in London. That's, that's the sport they care about there. Jerry Flagel, when he was running for mayor, based a lot of his campaign on building a downtown park for the Regina Red Sox. Hmm. And he said, if you want to know the prime example... Go to London, Ontario to see what's done downtown Mm -hmm. and what it does for your downtown. Do you think that was a fair comparison that he made or was he a little off base with that? Because a lot of people have told me that London's downtown was pretty sweet Mm -hmm. even before they put that arena downtown. And, you know, a lot of London's downtown has gone rapidly downhill ever since. It's a a bit of a sketchy area. The, The place around, what's the arena called this week? Budweiser Gardens. Is great. A lot of a uh, lot of entertainment options. And Probably the and nicest in Canada. That's not an NHL rink. Yeah, but then you get uh, maybe a quarter mile away, and it uh, it gets pretty sketchy. So I don't know if it's been a huge success. Although the downtown ballpark is very nice. It's just off outside of uh, the main downtown core, and it's it's beautiful. The Bat Park is right on the Thames River, and it's not as you know big a river as the other Thames, but uh, it's right on the forks of the Thames, and it's the oldest continuously operated baseball park in North America. Really? That's our claim to fame. That's all we got. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Babe Ruth's first professional home run was on the Toronto Islands? Nope, did not know that. They have sent dive teams looking for that ball, and oh, wow. they've never come up with it. Wouldn't so. that be something? Now you know the rest, rest of, of the, the story. story. 
Uh, you can chime in on the discussion by calling us toll free at one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty or text us three zero six nine three six sixty two sixty two. The text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln. Still ahead in hour two, we will give away those Briar tickets and visit with Arash Badani for Smart Investing Solutions. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio six twenty CKRM. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. And Hour 2 is brought to you by Sask Lotteries, bringing communities together. Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. Brendan McGuire and Pete Pasco with you on this edition of the Sports Cage. Still ahead, we will give away some tickets to the Montana's Briar. Mm-hmm. Lot of ticket in town. Pete is really, really disappointed that he doesn't get to be one of the prize pigs on this. I, I don't know, know what love that the means. Free stuff. The free stuff. You like the free stuff. Oh, I thought you meant... Okay, that's fine. Start talking about livestock, I get confused. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to Arash Madani about Blue Jays spring training and what he's been seeing so far. Feels a little bit odd that we're Alex seeing Manoa, baseball. not the best start today, but whatever. It's his first game of spring training. Haven't we given up on him already? It's getting close. It's getting close. We'll see what happens this year. And Rob Vanstone, I wanted to get his take on what's happening with the uh, Winnipeg Jets mm-hmm. and all the worries that are coming out of Winnipeg. Mike, you know, when we had Jeff Hamilton on yesterday, I posed the question, if these franchise valuations continue to skyrocket the way they have been, who cares if they're losing $4.5 million a year? Who cares if they lose $10 million a year? If it's okay for the owner of the Dallas Stars Mm -hmm. to lose money every year and go to his banker and get his banker to agree to cover the interest and add to the the debt Mm -hmm. based on these skyrocketing valuations. If it's acceptable in Dallas and probably many other American cities, why is it not acceptable in Winnipeg? Hmm. It's a good point. I'm guessing the corporate community hasn't stepped up like maybe they hoped it would. And I mean, Winnipeg doesn't have the biggest corporate community in terms of, you know, national head offices, but they've got a few. And, uh, yeah, maybe that's that's a bit of a problem. You know what I noticed during that interview and then also with Bob McCowan? Mm -hmm. There's some real tension between the Winnipeg Jets and the Winnipeg media. Yeah, that would be interesting to sit in. Well, one thing that we never got into was... um, when Bobcat was hosting his show, mm-hmm. I mean, he still got his show, the podcast, yep. but he quite often would get Eugene Melnick to come on, who is owner of the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. And that would create some tension with the local Ottawa media because Eugene rarely ever talked to them, hmm. except when he was threatening them. Of like, I think Ian Mendez, he, went, he walked up and he whispered in his ear, I will bury you because he asked some really tough questions. Oh, classy. But that created a little bit of tension. And the fact that Mark Chipman, um, you know, isn't really talking that much to the local media about this issue, mm-hmm. but he's talking to the athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking to people out of Toronto or out of the U.S. I think that rubs some of the local media the wrong way. So for those of us who work in the media, that really cheeses us off. Mm. Do the fans really care, though? No, not even a bit. Just tell us what time the game starts and... What our odds are of winning. I think that if you're wondering why they're having these issues, it's clear it's a season ticket base. They've 
identified that Mm -hmm. they regularly had the 13,000 season ticket holders. Now they're down to about 9,500 and Jeff Courier um, says that he thinks it's really a result of since the pandemic, a lot of small businesses who used to buy four tickets Mm -hmm. are now buying two. Yep. Okay. Makes sense. Simple as that. And for a husband, wife and a couple of kids to go out by the time you've paid for the tickets, Mm -hmm. If you have decent seats, by the time you've had the popcorn, the soda, not a cheap night. the souvenirs, that's a thousand dollar night. And that's not including if you're driving in from Regina. That's uh yeah, that's a little pricey. That's out of the price range for a lot of people, which is an issue. I mean, prices of everything have skyrocketed since the pandemic. Has your salary gone up accordingly? Mine has not. And so people are making tough decisions. What can we afford? What's a luxury? What can we hopefully do down the road, but we can't afford right now? And I think professional hockey might be one of those things. What's a necessity? What's a luxury? And going out like movie tickets, hockey tickets, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. It's just not a necessity right now. You can chime in on the discussion. Our text line number is 306-936-6262. Next segment, we're going to give away a couple of tickets to the Montana's Briar, which will start on Friday. And we are going to give away tickets to, I'm just checking in my hot little hand, It'll be two seats to draw number six coming up on Sunday, March the 3rd. So that's this weekend at 7 p.m. Some of the games that'll be on the ice include uh, Brendan Botcher. Remember him? Yeah, of course. Against Team Ontario and the Carruthers Rink out of Manitoba against Mm -hmm. Northern Ontario. Uh, Yesterday, we did the trivia and we gave away two tickets to draw number two. And some of the games that will be happening, that will be on Saturday afternoon, Mm -hmm. it will be the Carruthers Rink out of Manitoba against Matt Dunstone and his Manitoba team. Remember mm. him? Of course. Former and Botcher, Botcher will face Newfoundland. I believe that's the Brad Gushu rink. Yes. So, so lots of great curling coming up. And our question yesterday, um, I did a little bit of digging because I wanted to make it kind of hard where you actually had to check the Wikipedia page, not just Google it. Hmm. I really challenged them on this one. Oh, yeah. The question was, who is the skip of the team that Kirk Myers played for at the 2010 Provincial Junior Championships? The answer was Josh Height. Hmm. And our winner that came in, sorry, I'm just pulling it back up here. I'm glad someone got that. That was a tough one. They would have had to do a little more work. That's Marlene Stanicky of Regina. Nice job, Marlene. So congratulations, Marlene. You are off to the Tim Hortons Briar, and you will go to the... Uh, Draw two. That'll be Saturday afternoon. That's this weekend. And we'll watch the games. Get to see Brendan Botcher. We're giving away lots of tickets to go see Brendan Botcher. How cool is that? Who would pay to see a guy named Brendan? Uh, not me. <laughs> I'm sure some would. He's, uh, he's curled with his wife. Really? Yeah, I watched one uh, tournament where I, was it mixed doubles? Mm. I think it was mixed doubles, him and his wife. They didn't do very well. Mm. And of course, he's going to point the finger at her. Of course. Easy target. Oh, yeah. You watch Jennifer Jones, the recently retired or soon-to-be-retired Jennifer Jones, still playing mixed with her husband. could see her in the Olympics one day. Do you like the mixed game better? It's entertaining. Yep. And, uh, I mean, for people with limited attention spans like me, it's great uh, because you're in, you're out. You know, the action's fast, and then you're done. So, yeah, I do enjoy it. Not me. I'm still a purist at heart. Oh, of course. I prefer the... 
the old school. Mm. I don't even like the five rock rule. Oh my goodness. Everybody whined and complained about you put on brooms? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Think of how much more fun that would look. Eddie the wrench smoking a dart in between rounds. What was wrong with that? Again, personalities. Going back to what we talked about uh, earlier, I miss the personalities. Every everybody's so wound up, careful about what they say. Mm-hmm. And like everybody complained about how you could just blast the rocks out. Mm-hmm. That didn't bother me none. No, you throw it in, I knock it out. Yeah. It works just fine. Seems fair. But nobody's asking us. We had Kirk Myers on this program, and we sort of debated that a little bit. And he said, you need to speed up the games. That helps the ratings. And I said, well, wait a second. They haven't done that with the Super Bowl. No. And that's the one event that the ratings have not dropped. If you look at the ratings for every other sporting event in television, Mm. like even the World Series, it has consistently dropped every year, almost every year, for the last 30 years. Oh, my. It's no different than Johnny Carson and Jay Leno. Mm Mm-hmm. Johnny Carson regularly had 15 million viewers every night. And then he handed the torch off to Jay Leno. And by the time he was done, he was down to 5 million viewers every night. Now, part of it was the fact that Jay Leno was just not as good as Johnny Carson. That's fair. Maybe. Mm -hmm. But I think a big part of it is it's just a changing landscape. It's a changing world. But sometimes I worry that we're changing things just a little too much. Let's not try to sell curling to people who don't love curling already. True. And as uh, we mentioned when we talked to uh, Cal Gratton up in Melfort yesterday, new Canadians coming on board and loving the games. Love the game. Love the sport. Vernon Davis, he was the NFL star. He was invited out to a bond spiel. And he said, I just fell in love with it. And he was an honorary captain. He went with Team USA to the Vancouver Olympics, and it was wonderful. So I like it. you just never know when that's going to come around. Coming up on this edition of the Sports Cage, we are going to give away more tickets to the Briar. We will chat with Arash Madani, Rob Vanstone, and Glenn Suter. This is Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Suter and press coverage for Quality Tire still ahead on this Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage. Brendan McGuire, Pete Pasco, and Gloria Evans on this edition of the program. Of course, you can text in through the Capital Ford Lincoln text line, Saskatchewan's number one Ford retailer, CapitalFordLincoln.com. Time to give away some tickets to the Stuart Horton's Briar. Free stuff. That starts on Sunday. So these two tickets will be to draw number two on Sunday at 7 p.m. Uh, Brendan Botcher will play Ontario and Reed Carruthers will play Northern Ontario. The question. Mm. Uh-oh. This will be the sixth time that the Briar has been hosted by Regina. Mm. What year was the first Briar at the Agridome, now known as the Brant Center. What year did they have the first briar at the Agridome slash Brant Center in Regina? I'll give you a little hint. Okay. Russ Howard, who's on this show many, many times, mm-hmm. lost in the final. Ooh. I won't say who the winner was. We might give that hint away. Mm. First correct answer on the Capital Lincoln text line, 306-936-6262. I'm racking my brain on that one. I mean, I think I've got the decade, but that's not helping. Were you into curling before you moved out west? 
Uh, I've been anticipating that question. No. No, I was not. Um, Growing up, I mean, all my friends were into sports. We were all into all the sports. I had one friend that curled. And some of the other friends thought that was kind of odd. But I thought, well, I'll check it out. So I went with him to the curling club and watched and went, that's interesting. I don't think I'll do it, but that's interesting. So at least they gave me some perspective when I watched it on TV. But no, I was not from a curling background no it's done pretty well when it's been out there though hasn't it for sure like when they played at the john labatt center sorry we don't call it that mm, anymore the, the budweiser, budweiser gardens, gardens. Yep. the briar was there last year actually uh i spoke to kelly knapp the uh, regina skip who won the province and he said yeah they put on a great show the fans were wild and i'm like hmm things have changed back home okay cool I wonder why it's such a big deal out here but not such a big deal down there maybe it's because they have so much at- they're spoiled yeah i think so they're spoiled rotten in Southern Ontario because they have access to everything. It's like the year that I lived out there. Mm-hmm. It was, you know what? We have opposite problems in both places, mm-hmm. I find. See, out there, uh, everybody has, um, how do I put this? Nobody, you have all the options in the world mm-hmm. at your disposal. Concerts, hockey, yep. football, yep. baseball, basketball, mm-hmm. anything that you want. Yep. And but the problem is you don't have any time, hmm. and you don't have any money That's because true. the cost of living is so enormous out there. And you're commuting every day. Here it's a little. It was the opposite mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Not for everybody, but for a lot of people. Here we don't have any. We have a little more disposable income because our cost of living isn't so outrageous like it is there, and our commuting isn't such a big deal. People will drive an hour to see any anything or mm-hmm. two hours. But well, we especially don't, you get outside. The bigger cities like Regina and Saskatoon, the curling rinks are the lifeblood of the community in the winter. That and the hockey arena, which they're usually side by side. I drove to Cleveland on Christmas Eve to watch an NFL game. Wow. It was like this movie, Christmas in Cleveland. It was very sad. <laughs> and everybody thought that I was going so far because they're like, wow, you're going to go all that way by yourself because I was living in Windsor. Oh, that's not that far. And I didn't think so. Mm-hmm. But they're not from Saskatchewan like we are. Right. Right. And they don't realize that a two, three hour drive is no big deal. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any time to fly home and I didn't have any money. Hmm. So it's like I'm sitting here on Christmas. What else am I going to do? I'm going to go spend it with my other family. The NFL. The NFL. Sure. (laughs) How sad is that? And I got um, press pass Mm -hmm. because that's the one nice thing. That's one of the perks of when you work in the media. Sometimes they'll even give you a press pass, even if you have no business being there. I've, I've learned over the years that if you give me a press pass, I'm going to file something so that I can show why I was there so that nobody can come back to me later mm-hmm. and get in my face about why did you have a press pass when you didn't file anything? What were you doing? Hmm. That's a good point. Because media people will cross-reference that now. Media people are nasty. Did you ever have a, did you ever get a press pass to anywhere cool? What's the coolest place you ever got a press pass to? Probably the Memorial Cup. The one uh, when it was here? No, back home. Oh, and here, of course, yeah. I was I was the public. Like the first one in London, uh, 05? 05, yeah. You were there. Yeah, when the Knights finally got over the hump and won their first Memorial Cup. Greatest team ever. It was a really good team. And Corey Perry's still going. Oh, we have a winner. Beautiful. And Brent from Regina is our winner? Yes. Go, Brent. Oh, we have Brent on the line. Welcome to the sports cage, Brent. Oh, thank you. You and uh, 
One lucky friend are going to draw six on Sunday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. Brendan Botcher will play Ontario. Reed Carruthers will play Northern Ontario. Are you a curling fan? Uh, yeah, I like to watch curling. <laughs> Me too. We're all <laughs> in the same boat. <laughs> Surrounded by rabid fans here, Brendan. <laughs> Can't get enough. I wouldn't say I'm rabid, but I do enjoy watching it. I mean, that Holman-Jones uh, game on, on uh, the weekend was awesome. Exactly. That was, that was kind of like a heavyweight bout on Saturday night, didn't you think? That one-two page oh, game? It sure was. It was it was back and forth, and I mean, the last shot won. Are you cheering for Saskatchewan at the Briar? Uh, oh, absolutely. How do you feel about Mike McEwen? Uh, we've kind of got used to... Ch- watching him play for, I don't want to say the enemy, but the enemy, and now he's got all of our hopes. Are you okay with that? I'm not sure that I'm ready for that. Yeah, I don't know. I'd feel much better if it was a Saskatchewan skip, but, I mean, we were cheering for Dunstone when he was curling here, and he's from Manitoba also. True, true, true. So if McEwen lets us down, does that mean that we ban all Manitobans from coming and skipping (laughs) our team? Is that what happens next? Well, I think it would be time to go with another province then, yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations, and uh, enjoy the briar. Thank you so much. Okay. And that was Brenton Regina, who won the tickets to the briar and draw number six coming up on Tuesday. Hope it's a great one. Brent Eckert. Brent Eckert. There we go. I'm not sure how he's getting these tickets. I think they're here. Yeah, you have to come and get the tickets here at the the studio. So same with Marlene. Yeah. Hmm. Just bang on the window. We'll let you in, <laughs> and you can have your tickets. Um, Rob Vanstone's coming up a little bit later, and it'll be interesting to see if he's come up with the encyclopedia that he was putting together over at the stadium. He wanted to get an itinerary hmm. for anyone who has ever played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Like, uh, what am I looking at? Non-itinerary, a ledger. A bio. A bio. Yeah. He needed a listing of anyone who's ever played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in their 100-plus year history. That'll keep a guy busy. That's a, that's a huge task. Because, I mean, a lot of guys came in, played a game, and disappeared. Well, maybe not a lot, and I don't there know were definitely if, a few. I don't know that record-keeping was so good in the 1930s. Yeah, I don't know either. And where would you even look? I guess we can ask Rob. The modern era started in 1958. Hmm. So the game was very different before that. I think it was more of a rugby yep. thing maybe prior to that. So we'll talk to him about that. I'm also curious uh, to hear his take on the worries around the Winnipeg Jets. And we've talked so much about the Winnipeg Jets and their attendance issues. Mm-hmm. How about the Jets and their Stanley Cup hopes? Mm. Well, they were looking really great earlier in the season. At this point... Yeah, I'm, I certainly wouldn't write them off, but they're not as strong as they were, and I'm not sure what the, what the reason is. You don't you don't like their chances. Well, if there's a Canadian team winning the Stanley Cup, that's not the one I'm cheering for. But that's okay. No, I don't hate their chances. It's just that Western Conference is tough. I feel like this is Winnipeg's best chance to win a cup that they've had since they came back to Winnipeg. Probably could be. Because that year they went to the conference final and they lost to Vegas. It kind of felt like a mirage. Mm. That's true. And they got rid of a couple guys that maybe they felt were not contributing to the extent they could or maybe not leading to the extent. You're talking about Blake Wheeler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that seems to have helped. I thought he was kind of a baby to come out in the media the way he did. Yep. 
big time. It's and, like Rick Rick Bonus has been coaching in the NHL for forty years. Mm-hmm. I don't think he just forgot how to coach. I would hope not. And he's been on winning programs, and so he knows what it looks like. He knows what it doesn't look like. Mm-hmm. And he looked at that group. And listen, there have been star players who the core of that Winnipeg team have run out of town, mm-hmm. like Patrick Laine. Yeah. Evander Kane. Yeah. Now, maybe those players were whiny babies, too. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, eventually, your shelf life begins to go. Because that will that will fly when you're winning. And if you're going to talk loud, Jack, you better keep winning. Mm-hmm. And that core of Wheeler and Shifley and some of the others, I think the act had just gone a little bit old. I know Shifley's still there. Yeah. But... I don't think they miss Blake Wheeler at all. I think I his time had come and gone. I believe so. And the results on the ice without him would bear that out, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, time to break. Still ahead in Hour 2, we will visit with Arash Madani in Coast to Coast for Smart Investing Solutions. You're listening to the Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking Riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage uh, for Sask Lotteries. Of course, bringing communities together, Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. Still ahead in this edition of the program, we will check in with Glenn Suter on press coverage for Quality Tire. Joining us now on the Western Pizza Hotline is our guest, Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Arash, we had Bob McCown on this show yesterday. You have a tough act <laughs> to follow, my friend. Yes, indeed. I, I mentioned to you on text, Bob and I have shared many a studio over the years. I was his co-pilot for... Uh, Number of nights, number of weeks, um, and uh, how's he sounding? Uh, he sa- well, he sounded a lot better yesterday than I do today, uh, but okay, he's good. he's sounding better all the time. I noticed that. Wouldn't you say, Pete? Okay, oh, yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. For those who don't know, Bob's actually dealing with the aftermath of having a couple of strokes, so we're wishing him well. Well, I appreciate him telling uh, his story because I know a lot of our listeners have had health challenges from time to time. And uh, do you think that there's room in the world for a few more Bob McCowns now, people who can give straight talk when you think about how much of the media uh, works directly for the teams or is closely affiliated with the teams? No, I don't, unfortunately, because what I think teams and leagues and athletes and agents Really, the disdain they have the most for, Brendan, is the truth. Mm. They really dislike the idea of it being said out loud what is actually going on with them. They don't want fairness anymore. They're just looking for an agenda, for a spin, for their own way of portraying what is happening. And we're seeing it happen all over the place. You know, it's, it's one thing when you have your own social media channels to do things in-house. But it's another when you start trying to influence and push people out who are just telling it like it is, who are speaking the truth. And I found in the last few years, more than ever, what, what provides the most 
discomfort for those in charge of professional sports organizations, for those who are the decision makers, and for the athletes and the coaches and the rest. They really dislike the truth being told most of all. Well, I've heard that off and on, and I don't think that's something new. I don't think that's unique, but I hear what you're saying. It seems to be like we're seeing more and more of it with uh, some of the things that have happened, even in the National Football League, the way some of these broadcasters have been filtered out. through. Oh, I, I don't think this is just, I think this is on both sides of the border, no matter what size of the league or what the economics are. And I think with this, look, it's happening in our governments too. With a shrinking media environment, there are fewer and fewer people being held to account. And so what organizations are now doing is they're jumping on this and taking advantage of it. I don't think this is just a multi-billion dollar industry issue. I think this is happening all over. Yeah, and sometimes these organizations and leagues don't embrace the different media outlets. The fact that they're being talked about is probably good to, for their own self-promotion. But on that cheery note, uh, the Toronto Raptors have their longest winning streak of the season. And in the final moments of their win over the Pacers in Indiana, the players on the bench were chanting, pizza? What's that all yeah, about? Yeah, pizza, pizza, that's right. What was that all about? Well... Yeah, you mentioned it's the longest win streak of the season, so it's three games. It's it's been a long haul for the Raptors. Yay! <laughs> They've effectively torn the whole thing apart. They, you know, they're building it from scratch again. Um, but their new coach, Coach Darko, told them, "Listen, we go on a win streak. We win three in a row. Dinner's on me." And here Darko thought that he was going to be on the hook for some crazy steakhouse, you know, Gibson Steakhouse in Chicago or something like that. And the dudes at the end of the bench are saying, no, 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 we're good with pizza. Like, like bring it on, Darko, as long as you're the one picking up the tab. It's not about how steep the check is. It's more the idea, the gesture, the notion that their coach is going to be the one who's going to have to uh, – get off his wallet and and pay for the whole thing. It's funny how silly some of these things that these millionaire athletes get excited about are. Sure. Uh, I remember um, for a very brief time, I was having the privilege of wandering around the Detroit Tigers clubhouse and I would see the, there'd be a big table full of deodorant and then there'd be a big table full of, um, I don't know, some hair product and everything was sponsored. Uh, I think you could get your own cleats, you could get your own shoes. Hmm. And I started thinking, how much of this stuff do these guys even have to pay for? And like, forget about the fact they make all this money. They get all this stuff for free. And I think it was maybe Doug Smith, somebody, he might've been on with you or Ash on the radio telling the story of NBA players that he knows who try not to use their debit card at all during the season and just live off of the per diems. Did you ever meet any athletes who told you those kind of stories? Well, it's not that they told me. I mean, you just see it, you know, from, from, from the Raptors pizza thing, I think just human nature is, hey, our boss is going to be the one who's going to pick up the tab and he's going to have to pay for something because of something we did. Mm -hmm. I think that's human nature regardless of industry. You know, here's what's interesting, Brendan. And it's funny Doug brought up the debit card thing. We get so immune to some of the, to, to the money that gets thrown around 
in the big four leagues sometimes. You know, I'm just, this week, they're talking about restructuring some of the deals and that Patrick Mahomes' base salary is $9.5 million, but his cap hit is going to be somewhere in the 36 range, but the cash is actually 50. Okay, hold on. $50 million for one season paid in 17 game checks in the NFL. So I'll tell you this story. Um, back in the day, uh, 10-ish years ago, maybe a little more, I'm in the visitor's clubhouse at Rogers Center. The Blue Jays, I think they were playing the White Sox or something. You know, some May or June series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the way the baseball players get paid, as you know, is every second Friday, the traveling secretary comes around, just hands paste ups to everybody. So I was waiting for an athlete. I'm waiting for a player to interview. And the, you know, the guy comes around and hands one of the pitchers on the White Sox his paste up. And I'm standing next to him. He just kind of opens the envelope, looks at it, throws it down on his chair, goes into the back to get treatment or to shower, to eat or whatever it is they do. And I just kind of looked down at, at his chair. His take-home, his take-home for those two weeks was $474,000. And I was just like, wow. So it got me thinking. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Two Fridays from now, he's going to get 474. Two Fridays ago, he got 474. Who knows what his signing bonus was? And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's a Friday night game. In those days, the Jays would play Saturday and Sunday at 1 o'clock. Now the Saturday games are a little later. It's like 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon. But, you know, 1 o'clock game, you leave the ballpark around 4.30 or 5 o'clock. Let's say some of the boys wanted to go out for dinner. If that pitcher went to a bank machine and took out 1000 bucks, 1500 bucks for dinner that night and, you know, for whatever else they're going to do. Brendan, what do you think the slip would say when he took the withdrawal of $1,500 out in June based on a $474,000 direct deposit every two weeks? I, I, don't know, I, don't know that I, would, I don't know that I would trust myself to have that kind of money. I feel like you'd have to sit down with an advisor. They probably all have advisors, don't they, where they're paid on this day and... 400000 goes into this investment account. I mean, that would be kind of a recipe for disaster if you didn't, wouldn't it? Well, and here's the other part. Um, further to what Doug was saying about, and it's not just the per diems. I can speak to this from a baseball standpoint. You know, out of nowhere, at some point in the middle of the season, players will just have a check show up from Tops or Panini, the trading card or the trading sticker companies. I think they each get something like fifteen or twenty or twenty-five thousand bucks from that. Well, one player once told me. He said, "Yeah, I got a bank account that uh, the family doesn't know about, and that's the play money, the tops money, some of the apparel money that comes in. The contract, everybody knows what's going on, but there's a lot of extra dough that when it comes to the trip to Vegas with the guys, it comes to the rookie dinner, when it comes to." nights out it comes to whatever else these guys like to do with their free time um but stuff you don't think about you know now for a guy making 25 million bucks fifteen thousand dollars from tops money may not necessarily matter but if you're back and forth minors big leagues you're you know clearing a hundred thousand dollars two hundred thousand dollars in a year fifteen thousand dollars makes a big difference 
Well, now that I'm thoroughly depressed about the uh, the dollars and cents involved, um, yes, Rash, I want to ask you about the Raptors a little bit. Uh, at the trade deadline, when OGN and Obi, Malachi, Flynn, and friends moved on, the premise was well, and it wasn't a surprise. Siakam, don't forget Pascal. Oh, of course, Pascal, of course. This is now Scotty Barnes's team. Uh, Scotty yeah. Barnes is going to be the preeminent. He's going to be the number one option on offense. And every has that actually panned out? I've I've watched a few games, and Scotty Barnes is certainly a a generational talent, I think, but has he become the man there yet? Well, I don't know if anyone's quite the man, so to speak, the superstar, just because the Raptors just have fallen off the radar in terms of relevance. But Barnes more and more is establishing himself as a legit NBA player. You know, snuck into the All-Star game because of injury this year. That matters to him. He now kind of rubs shoulders with the best in the game. We forget sometimes in a one-and-done world now of dudes going to college for a year and then going into the draft. You know, if if we were talking 20 years ago, Scotty Barnes would still be in college. Mm -hmm. And he's being asked to, you know, be the face of the franchise against grown men in their late 20s, 30s who are, you know, physically developed and seasoned and know how to handle 82 games. The Raptors are hoping that Barnes is going to be the next one. You know, the next, the next, uh, I don't want to put them in, it's so hard to say it out loud, right? Like the next Carter, the next McGrady, the next Bosch, the next DeRozan, the next Lowry. But that's what the Raptors are hoping he can be. There's so much more left for him to do that, but slowly he's kind of getting progress. He's making progress. He's taking next steps. And I know he's all over subway commercials and all over, you know, billboards for subway, but he's not quite a nationally known name yet, but it seems that he's inching closer and closer to it by the week, by the month. Well, all I can say about that is in Masai, I trust because of uh, the great job he did when he took over from Brian Colangelo and the championship that they had. I know it's been five years since then. I'll give Masai another five years to figure it out. For me. Really? Yes. For me, he has earned that badge. He has earned that time. I don't feel the same about the two people running the Blue Jays, but that's a whole other story. Let's Which go. is interesting because Masai in the last five years, they have won one playoff series. They got nothing for Kyle Lowry. They got nothing for Fred Van Vliet. Their, their asset management has been brutal. They thought they were better than they were, and they just kept spinning their tires. They came nowhere near the playoffs after a one-and-done in the bubble. Um, it's it's amazing how perceptions go. You know, it's 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 interesting. It's just interesting how it is. You know, Joe Madden was the manager of the Cubs. They win the World Series for the first time in a hundred whatever years. Two years later, he's out of a gig. Doug Peterson and the Eagles win a Super Bowl. Philly hadn't had a championship in how many decades? A couple of years later, Doug Peterson's out, and now here in Toronto. The Raptors haven't done anything since July of 2019. We're now in 2024. And uh, I think, Brendan, a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah, let's give them a five more years, even though there's been nothing that's happened in the last five years.
maybe it's because Masai's just so darn likable. I don't know, but I feel like I'm just, I, you know, and I almost wonder if Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment uh, feels like they've checked that box. Okay, got the, they've won the Grey Cup, they've won the MLS Championship. Do they even care about the Grey Cup? Uh, Larry Tannenbaum does, but, I think. But, okay, so further to that, when they won the Grey Cup in, what year was that? 17. And then again in 22. Two, three, yeah, but two, three years later, the GM and the head coach were gone to the Argo. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Right? They win the MLS Cup, and they've gone through how many coaches now since? Vanny was out. They brought somebody else in. He was out. Replaced by Terry Dunfield. He's out. And now John Herdman's in charge. They've been through a couple of GMs. Tim Bezbachenko left. His successor left. And now they're on to another one. And yet, Masai... (laughs) He just keeps hanging around. Viewed it, like he's done an incredible job of branding himself as the authority of basketball, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that, yep. that, that's interesting. I think that makes sense. Um, before you go, I want to touch on the CFL. Um, not a good news story. We had Glenn Suter on the air while it was breaking uh, with what happened in Toronto and the lawsuit and the Chad Kelly situation. Seems like things have been very quiet. I know some have criticized the league office for not giving something of a response. Why has it been so quiet and how do you see this unfolding? It's the most outstanding player in the league. For a league that has said our domestic violence policy is top of mind and that there will be consequences. That's what's in the policy. And yet the league's gone quiet. It's, it is vintage Randy Ambrosi at the helm. That's what it is. Now, they're not apples and apples, but the closest comp, and they're not, again, they're not apples and apples. Deshaun Watson got 11 games for what was alleged that he got into with a number of massage therapists. But here's the difference. None of those people that Watson was alleged to have been involved with were team employees. This was a strength and conditioning coach involved with the organization inside the walls. And she alleges that she went to management is what she alleges in the lawsuit, not just, you know, making a statement. She's taking this to the courts, and the assistant general manager of the Argos was alleged to have said, now you've opened up a can of worms that, you know, we can't close. This, to me, appears on the surface as if it's a systemic issue in the organization. If Deshaun Watson got 11 games, how many will the most outstanding player in the CFL get if the league claims it takes its domestic violence uh, issues as seriously as they say they do. It'll be fascinating to see how it unfolds. And of course, John Murphy, we remember, uh, well, he worked here with the Riders for a while and then he was let go for shoving a tie cat fan. That was kind of amusing. This is a little more, they, they fired more him. More than a shove. Stuff. Well, I think he shoved them, didn't he? Did he shove them or punch them? I can't remember. It was on Yeah. I would say it was more than a shove. Okay. And let's not forget the comments that came out of Mr. Right, right, mouth. right. But so, you know, they fired him, then they brought him back a year later. The, you know, if, if what is being And I'm pretty sure on that true. year off, he still got paid. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. 
Well, that'll be that'll be an interesting story to follow and see how it pans out. Uh, speaking of the Argos, since Corey Mace came to Regina, we haven't seen Toronto announce a new defensive coordinator to replace him. Do you know what their plan is for finding somebody new? Definitively no, but I can report that this is what I've been led to believe on the Argos front is that they won't have a defensive coordinator, that they're going to start at least with co-defensive coordinators. Mm. And they're going to go, not, you know, Mace is a defensive lineman by trade, which is interesting, but because I'm led to believe that what the Argos are going to do is promote Will Fields and Kevin Ivan, mm. a defensive back. Fields was back in the day. Ivan was a linebacker with some special teams background. Um, they're going to make them co coordinators. I'd expect to see that from the Argos this season to start. I, I don't believe there's going to be kind of an heir apparent or a replacement at the D.C. position of one candidate. I think they're going to kind of spread it around, if you will. So, look, Mace is a – those are big shoes to fill. Uh, when you think about how and why the Argos won the Grey Cup in 2022, it was because of the defense, and especially in that Grey Cup game against Winnipeg. And um, – so that, that's what I've been just been led to believe on the Argos coaching front. That's interesting. Kind of an outside-the-box idea for the Argos to do Some it Some teams are doing that now. They have one defensive coach responsible for the quote-unquote pass game and the other for the run game. So, eh, see how it works. Except linebackers cover the pass. <laughs> this is true. You have yeah. to be diverse. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's a bad idea, but uh, we will just have to and wait. And you know so. why it's happening? Because of the idiotic staff cap. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another topic for another day. Arash, thank you as always. All right. Appreciate it, fellas. All right. And that is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment. You're listening to Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. And it is hour three on the Tuesday Sports Cage for Sask Lotteries, bringing communities together. Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports culture and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. Brendan McGuire with you here in the Catbird seat. Pete had to go do his TV show. Uh, just across the street, sort of. Still ahead in Hour 3, we will check in with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire uh, across Saskatchewan. Right now, we're going to go out onto the Western Pizza Hotline uh, to bring in a friend of the program, and um, we're not bringing him on for the reasons that you might suspect, given the fact that he is the uh, senior historian and main columnist with Riderville.com. Rob Vanstone is now on the line. Rob... Now that hockey coverage is not part of your day job, I'm guessing you love talking hockey. I absolutely do. I mean, I just, uh, I loved it regardless, but it's, uh, hockey's always been an amazing topic to talk about because I think the whole atmosphere surrounding the game is pretty convivial. And uh, I've always, uh, you know, you hang around in the scouts room before the game, there's two intermissions. They're just, I think it just lends itself to, uh, to chatter, but it, it really is really nice just to go to a Pats game, sit in section one hundred one, row three, and uh, if I don't really feel like watching, I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. I can just sit there and take it easy. 
And people like to scoff at us because it's like, you get a spot in the press box, Brendan. Why would you whine about that? But it's different just having the experience going down, sitting in the stands and watching the game. Uh, I know you are a deadline down in the stands. And no deadline. Never had a deadline in Section 101, so I'm all for that. Very well put. Um, Yesterday, we had Jeff Hamilton on talking about the Winnipeg Jets, and I know Barney's going to have someone on talking about it tomorrow about their attendance issues. So I'm not going to beat that dead horse. But that said, it caught some people's attention. Uh, The interview that Mark Chipman did with The Athletic late last week saying that the current trend is, quote, unsustainable. The fact that their season ticket base has dipped from 13,000 down to 9,500. And it got me thinking, you know, we hear so much about the need to regionalize a brand. And the brand that you work for, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I don't think anybody would argue is a much bigger brand than the Winnipeg Jets. And it got me wondering, you know, we're an easy bunch to please in Saskatchewan. Do we need the Jets to just do a little more outreach to adopt the Prairie Province as their own? Since we're not married to any other NHL team, could they do a little bit, like have training camps in Regina, maybe play the odd exhibition game, regular season game, really wrap their arms around us Heaven forbid, play a game wearing green. Uh, to I'm not, I happen to be sitting in. in a facility right now where the Winnipeg Jets are undefeated, uh, having defeated Calgary 2-1 to one in overtime on October 26, 2019. So um, I'm staring at the goalposts, which aren't too far away from where Brian Little scored the uh, overtime goal. So, you know, um, I don't know how much the Jets have done in, in Saskatchewan. I'll give you an example, though. Um, a number of years ago, I used to do a, a fundraiser for Razor Reader when I was at the Leader Post, and I wrote to pretty much every uh, I wrote to every NHL team based in Canada and asked for a donation. The only one to respond was the Winnipeg Jets. Mm. So, I mean, I take that as a as a sign that uh, they have paid some attention to this province because that was a really uh, nice thing to do. There was a big reaction to what Mark Chipman had said, and some people felt like it was fear-mongering. When you look at the actual quotes, I don't get that impression at all. He was asked a question. It's an obvious fact that their numbers are down, and I actually thought he showed a lot of accountability. He said for so many years, we've been a service organization, not a sales organization. That has to change. And I'm not sure we were such a good service organization to begin with. I couldn't really find fault with anything he said. Could you? No, not really. I, you know, I think maybe it's having the desired effect and maybe it will go a few steps toward uh, even increasing the viability of hockey in Winnipeg because we've seen attendance on a bit of an upswing and people are now paying attention to these issues. And Gary Bettman is in Winnipeg today, largely to talk to the corporate sector. And the thing that really made my bleary eyes bug out was when he talked about how I think the corporate season tickets are only about 15% of the uh, number sold, whereas ordinarily it's between 40 and 50. And so that tells me two things that, uh, you know, just how, how dependent they are. And I don't think that's unlike, for the franchise for which I am employed, uh, they're so dependent on on season ticket holders and walk-up customers. And uh, um, maybe there's more of a similarity between the Rough Riders and the National Hockey League team than than I had thought. But I was really surprised by that corporate number until you look at the fact that Winnipeg is, you know, very 
small market is maybe punching above its weight having a National Hockey League team. But that requires filling a building that is, even if it is full, is below the average uh, size of the National Hockey League. So it's, you know, they're, they're in, the, I think, 80, 83% attendance is whatever. It's got to start getting close to the days when they returned. I went to the third Jets game back in 2011, and uh, I sat in the upper, upper, upper row with my back. <laughs> great, great hockey cliche. My back was against the wall. I was the top row of the uh, arena, and I think I paid 180 each for two two seats on StubHub. And uh, you know now now it's uh, you can just walk up and get a seat. And it sounds like they're they really they're really paying attention to some of the pricing. I heard today that that the season ticket price averages out to a forty dollars a seat for the upper level. And so maybe that maybe this will be healthy. You can turn it around. And the fact that this corresponds with a very good team on the ice will uh, get a you know get some traction here. And then we won't have the type of crisis that happened in ninety five ninety six. That's actually a really good point that you make. That's a pretty good uh, season ticket price at 40 bucks. Like, wow, <laughs> for an average yeah. ticket. And that's that a small really enough arena me. that there really isn't a bad seat in the house. Yeah, it's, you know, but I can understand, you know, without some tailoring of the ticket prices, uh, that's tough when you consider this economic climate and, and inflation being what it is. Um, you know, I was thinking about it a while back and, and, uh, I live in a condo, and, and last year we got hit with a $400 a month um, levy for infrastructure, and that came to roughly $5,000 for the year. It was just for 2023. So you do that, and I, and I was thinking about the jet situation, and I thought, okay, if you're getting a decent season ticket seat, you're, you're, you're basically paying something around that. You're taking that kind of hit every year to go watch a hockey game. And... Uh, I looked at the. I looked at what that four hundred dollars a month did last year to our personal finance, and you think, well, okay, that was just a one-year thing. January first of twenty twenty-four was really sweet, <laughs> but if you want hockey to stay in Winnipeg, you've got to take take a punch every year financially. Maybe not four thousand dollars the way they've been adjusting some of the prices, but uh, it's it's still a pretty pretty uh, pricey thing when you look at the look at the cost of buying lettuce right now. Yeah, harder and harder to do, especially after the pandemic. Uh, our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline, Rob Vanstone with Riderville.com. Perfect pizza with a generous amount of toppings, plus Greek food like souvlaki, ribs, salads, all the goodness you can't make at home. Call Western Pizza today. Um, I'll shift gears in just a moment to the uh, organization that you are employed by, but I thought I'd ask you while you're on the line, you've been following the Jets forever, is this, the, is this their best chance at a Stanley Cup? And, I mean, it's easy to say that because all of the other teams failed eventually when they were in the playoffs, but is this the best Jets NHL team that you've ever seen? Um, you know, I'm starting to get the same type of vibe that I did in, in 2018 when they got on that roll. Um, you know, they won the, the, the opening game of the conference final and lost four in a row to Vegas. In 1990, they were up 3-1 to Edmonton, ended up losing the final three games of the series, and Edmonton went on to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. So I'll always wonder what, what would have happened if that 1989-90 team had gotten past uh, past um, the Edmonton Oilers. But I look at the depth of this team, and I, I, I really like it. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see what, in the next week and a half, Kevin Sheveldayoff is able to, go, able to do, if he's able to add a piece to go along with Sean Monahan, and you got Connor Hellebuck who can steal, steal a series. 
there's really not much not to like about that hockey team. And uh, so being a Jets fan, you, you try to temper your excitement because there has, there hasn't been a championship since 1979 when the Jets beat the Oilers in the Avco Cup final. So we'll always be able to say the only time we played Gretzky in a league final, we won. <laughs> <laughs> the glory days of the WHA. <laughs> you know what? I have a great appreciation for what people like Bill Hunter and everybody did when they started the WHA, and I don't even think I realized it till more recently. Um, if they hadn't done all of that, I don't know that we have an NHL in Western Canada. I don't know that we have an NHL in Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Ottawa, even though I know some of those teams uh, didn't actually play in the WHA, but I guess that's a topic for uh, another day. Pete Pasco and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. Is your office overlooking the field? Yeah, it, the office itself isn't. My desk doesn't, but I'm sitting in the alumni lounge right now, mm. which is which is uh, people kind of joke about it all the time that this is sort of a pseudo office for me. But uh, yeah, I'm staring at a snow filled um, field right now and hearing the temperature is supposed to be nine degrees on Thursday. So we'll see what it looks like in a couple of days. What a beautiful sight. I'm going to lobby the rider front office to get you a window seat right where you right where your desk is. I think you oh, yeah, I just come out seat. here all the time. Anyway, I just, I absolutely love this destination. The only time I, there's times I go back to my desk simply because I, I find it distracting. I'll kind of look at the grandeur and and think it, it does get, I mean, I've been here for just over, you know, a year now, and the novelty hasn't really worn off. I mean, I sit here and I look and see George Reed's spot just behind me here, and I look at the retired names back at DeMarco, Cernick, Sturtridge, Lancaster, Reed, Ridgeway, Aldag, just everything around here. And uh, it it is still impossibly cool. I know you said very early on that one of your goals was to get a proper directory. I hope I'm using the right word, but every uh, the name of every player who has ever suited up for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And Pete and I were thinking, that sounds like an impossible task. How have you yeah. made out with that? Yeah, it's done. I, uh, I took, it, <laughs> took it one step further, actually. I, it not only became every, any player I've ever, ever to suit up in a game, but any player that is traceable to attend training camp, to be on a 5, 14, or 21-day trial, to be on the practice roster, to sign a contract, and even if they don't report they were under contract, to be picked in a dispersal uh, draft, uh, even if they never ended up in Saskatchewan. So I've, uh, if you, to be drafted, if, you've been, if you were drafted in 1967 in the sixth round, you're on the list. And so that was a, an obsession the moment I got here. And, and uh, now it's just a matter of adding... You know, we signed a couple of players today. Now it's just a matter of adding names to it. One of these days, I'm going to put it on an Excel sheet, and then I can count and figure out how many there are. How, how did you find a lot of the older names just through, like, newspaper archives? Yeah, and old old uh, CFL guides, uh, old training camp prospectuses, uh, just things like that, just books that were lying around, um, newspaper articles from, you know, uh, Leader Post, Saskatoon, Star Phoenix, uh, newspapers.com is, is an amazing website, and I'll be forever indebted to the Leader Post and, and the Star Phoenix for for the great reporting that they've done allowing me to, to trace all this. And so uh, it's it's really neat to have. And uh, and uh, now i got a couple of more side projects on the go. I keep diving into these rabbit holes. Yeah, I know the feeling of that. Um <clears throat> This is kind of the slow time on the calendar for the CFL schedule. And 
I, you know, during the season, I remember you and I having a discussion about how we'd go to practice every day and it would be kind of monotonous after a while because you'd ask the same questions and you'd go through the motions. And then you said to me, but you know, then the off season hits and after a little while you miss it. Are you at that point right now? Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to training camp a lot. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to every doing everything for the second time here, you know, uh, as opposed to I've been here about three months, all of a sudden I'm traveling less than three months, all of a sudden I'm covering training camp, still getting to know people. It's, it's neat to have my bearings. So I'm really excited about, uh, about camp. Um, you know, I, I keep myself busy enough here that I feel like I'm getting my fix anyway. The off season is, is it's been just as busy for me as this football season. So I really don't even look at the difference and say, well, I was, I was busier then, or there was more on the go. I want to get some, a couple of projects done during the off season so that I've got some reference material at my fingertips that may have taken me two or three hours to look up while I'm trying to get a story written. So that's kind of the priority for this season is just having the factual base at my disposal, at the team's disposal, at the fans' disposal, uh, done so as thoroughly as possible so that hopefully I can just find things if somebody has a question and that's the, hopefully that'll make uh, the season ahead uh, a little uh, less hectic because I'm not trying to serve two masters, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the season. I'm, I, I mean, I think there's a real energy around here with everything that's, that's been happening. So the, that's wetting the appetite as well. I'm looking forward to Thursday. Hopefully all the snow will be gone. Yeah, no kidding, hey? Well, I, you know, even some people who around the country like to mock the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I've been hearing rave reviews about this new head coach that we have in Regina, so I know what you mean about the positive energy around the football team. Calm before the storm, and uh, I can't wait until uh, we're talking football every day on this station and everywhere around. You're doing a great job with the website. I read the story about Enoch Mwamba and the reflections of Jeremy O'Day. Thanks for doing this, Rob, and enjoy the rest of your downtime, the calm before the storm. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks uh, so much for your time, Brendan. It's always great to chat with you, and go go Expos. Go Expos. No kidding. <laughs> well, I don't know if... Uh, they're doing what they're doing to the Big O. Apparently, it's not going to be ready for baseball, and that might kill our dreams of an Expo return one day. Well, that is we, Rob Bamster. We still got to wear our hats anyways. So. I'm still wearing the hat. You know what? I almost think if the Expos come back, I'll lose interest and stop wearing the hat. So maybe well, this I've is seen just... it, I saw the Jets come back once upon a time, and boy, did I wear that hat. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. You didn't give it away. You still have the hat. Oh, no. So it'll be the same way for me. Thanks, Rob. And thanks so much, Brandon. Take care. And that is Rob Vanstone from Riderville.com joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Perfect pizza with a generous amount of toppings, plus Greek food like souvlaki, ribs, salads, all the goodness you can't make at home. Call Western Pizza today. Still ahead here in Hour 3, we will visit with Glenn Souter for Quality Tire. This is the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Hour 3 of the program for Sask Lotteries. Brendan McGuire in the Catbird seat. Uh, coming up later this week, we will visit with Enoch Mwamba, hear about his retirement 
from the Canadian Football League. Of course, you might remember Enoch spent a couple years with the Rough Riders and uh, won the Most Outstanding Canadian and Most Outstanding Player Award at the Grey Cup that was here in 2022. But right now, it is time for press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. And joining us on the line is our good pal, Glenn Suter. And uh, Glenn, I've been a little under the weather uh, and uh, Pete was carrying me through most of the program and it brought up a memory of you and John Wells doing a CFL broadcast one night and John's voice completely gave out on him and then you were narrating some of the action and I thought this is the coolest thing I've ever seen and at the end of the broadcast he said thanks for carrying me partner and you said that's what I'm here for do you remember that? I do remember, uh, yes, and it happened to me once, and now I've been doing this for, for a long time, but I, I, um, I was with Dustin, and we were in Vancouver, and I had done three and three nights, so three games, three different cities, three nights, finishing in Vancouver, so I thought, you know, I'm going to be back, you know, be able to sleep in my own bed after on the third night, but... Um, I just, it, there was two minutes to go in the game and I was fighting a cold and it just, it, it left me. So Dustin for the last couple of minutes, just talked through it and it was smooth as, <coughs> as silk, but uh, I do remember it. And you know, you are there in the booth. It's, it's very team oriented job. I mean, not only the booth, but the truck and everybody else, the pitchers can take away some of the, you know, that can take some of the heavy lifting off your shoulders and, um, you know, the, the stats and the boards that we put up, that's all part of putting the television program together. Well, if you're a professional, you never miss a shift, right? So that's just how we have to <laughs> exactly. roll. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the teams in the West division. Uh, we've talked so much about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the changes that they've made with the head coach. We're hearing largely rave reviews about the new head coach, even from some of the most ardent critics of this organization. But I feel like it's not just the Rough Riders who have a lot to prove in this 2024 season. I wanted to start with Edmonton, where coach Chris Jones has an 8-28 and 28 record. Now, there are some reasons for that. He didn't inherit the great situation um, but Bill Parcells has a famous line that says you are what your record says you are and now that we're entering year three if there's a team at least in the West Division maybe in the entire CFL that it's time to put up or shut up I feel like it's the Edmonton Elks is there anything wrong with that statement at all no I don't think so at all I you know I no, I, I think they've got an interesting dynamic right at quarterback, and they bring in McLeod Bethel Thompson. We all know, you know, how good he can be, and how good he's been in the CFL in the past. But that also will take snaps away from Trey Ford, depending on what happens with him. Now, I mean, that was probably their sort of biggest story of the of last year, and it was a you know Canadian wide. This guy is a phenom. He's there. He's a different cat. He's a He's an athlete at a level that, you know, it sort of reminds you of Doug Flutie and those type of guys in his ability to escape. So it would be a shame to see his development sort of halted, even though they need to win. They have got to win. That coaching staff knows it. They've got to win. 
it's time to just turn it around since they changed the name and now everyone's kind of relating all that. I don't think it's related at all, but um, since they changed the name, it's been sort of downhill. And I, I've seen some moves made that I, you question, like paying a lot of money for a receiver. Uh, the receiver in and of himself in Kenny Lawler that couple years ago is worth it. But if you, if you, in this cap world of the CFL, if you just spend all that money on a receiver and you haven't solidified your quarterback situation, you know, one is more important. You have to, you have to lead the cart with the horse and the horse is your quarterback. So that's the, you know, I think they've sort of addressed that. That should give them a better start out of the gate. Uh, but you're right. I, this this Edmonton team has got to win. They've got to win early and get the fans engaged because the fans will be back. The fans in Edmonton will be back. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, they're they're great fans in Edmonton. It is truly a football city. And even though um, we we aren't seeing it in every market, I feel like getting back from the pandemic. It does happen. We are getting all the way back. We're seeing it with curling. We're seeing it um, in most hockey markets. I think you're going to see it in Winnipeg with the Jets. And it's going to happen in Edmonton, too. It feels like since the pandemic, there's been this dark cloud hanging over that franchise, particularly with all the lo- the losing that they had at home. And then when they snap that, um, they're just not all the way back just yet. Uh, when you look at the signing of McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I think that most of us would agree that it's good for the league to have a personality like him back here. But I actually feel like it puts even more pressure on Chris Jones to have a successful mm-hmm. season. The fact that he's benching this exciting young Canadian player. Or do you look at that and say, well, Brendan, it doesn't really matter. The pressure was going to be max on Chris Jones no matter what. Yeah, and I'll, I'll pick I'll pick up the ball here because I can hear you. Got to grab a drink of water quickly. But yeah, you know you know what you're right. The uh, it it adds some pressure because now they have an established winner at quarterback that is can get a team to the cup as he did. Now he got some help once he got there from Chad um, in the in that cup game in Saskatchewan. But uh, you know he he's the has, was the starter that got them there. And uh, and he also is going to deal with. I'm talking about Chris Jones right now. The the dynamic of the development of Trey Ford, and that being sort of put on the back burner for McLeod Bethel Thompson, because as Chris Jones will tell you, and you can you can hear the quote right now, he'll say he gives us our best chance. He's experienced. He knows the league. He's been a winner. He can give us our best chance to win. And hey, we have Trey, and there'll be packages for him, and things like that. I mean, I can I can hear it now, um, but that will be dealt with if they don't win early. Let's say they lose a couple of close games out of the gate. You know that that dynamic is going to be discussed in a big way. Trey Ford had people excited in that city and across the country. I mean, this is not uh, a a really. Um, intriguing Canadian that we want to watch. This is a really intriguing world-class athlete that is doing things on the field that we have not seen. So I, I just, it, it is going to come up if they, if they face some adversity early and, and that puts more pressure on the coaching staff. And then they have to answer that question over and over again. So does management and who should be playing quarterbacks going to be, uh, 
a question early on if they if they struggle. We had Arash Madani on this program earlier, and uh, he made a smart aleck remark about the coach's cap, or I guess the football operations cap would be the proper terminology for that. Um, I don't hate the cap. I think it's there for a reason. There are many good reasons why it's there. Have you made up your mind on how you feel about this football operations cap and how it pertains to situations in places like Edmonton and elsewhere? Yeah, I I think that it was necessary. Um, you know, you could almost call it the Chris Jones cap as well, um, because when he was in Saskatchewan and, and there were more coaches than players, and I'm exaggerating, obviously, but, um, you know, I, I just, I think there was a reason for it financially to, you know, when it, when it was, um, you know, trending the way it was trending at that time, the league had to do something. Now, I, there's some wording in it, or at least there was. I haven't looked at the actual wording in some time now, but there was some wording in it that I didn't like, like restricting the number. I mean, just give uh, the number of coaches. I, I thought just just give give the the boundaries financially, and if a coach want, a head coach wants to hire three assistants and pay them more, he can, or he can hire thirteen and pay them less. It's up to him. Um, but if I remember correctly, the early wording was, and it may have changed by now, but the early wording was there was a certain number of coaches you could max out at. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it was necessary. I think we have to be uh, smart about how we manage the, you know, increase revenues and uh, make sure the players uh, get their share. And, and they continue that, the salaries continue to get better and better. That will really help, you know, especially in the bigger cities with, with the perception issues. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I hate to say I'm just sort of right down the middle on it because I, I, I don't hate it. And yet I can see where it restricts some teams if you've struggled for two or three years and now you're paying some coaches that you've had to let go. Yeah, I guess it creates a challenge where teams have to um, budget for that, expecting that there will be some coaches who get let go. So maybe we're not going to max out our coaches cap and they're going to have to fight that temptation to get into a bidding war with other teams when they're going after a head coach that maybe both teams like or you're trying to lure somebody out of college or maybe even from the National Football League. Uh, Glenn Suter is for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Okay, so... So we've talked about the Edmonton situation. Uh, I think we would agree that Edmonton, or sorry, Winnipeg is the one team in the West that has nothing to prove. There might be some question marks going into next season. No more Jackson Jeffcoat. Don't even know that we're going to see Adam Big Hill next year. Um, when you look at the Calgary Stamp Peters, there's an organization that, uh, for much of my adult life, much of my lifetime period, has been the standard, the gold standard in the Canadian Football League with all the great teams they've had, other than I can think of a three-year donut between Wally Buono, his last year, then it was uh, Jim Barker, wasn't through any fault of his own, they had a bad year, and then when Matt Dunnigan was a head coach, they had a bad year. There was a bit of a a lull there. Other than that three-year lull, the Calgary Stampeders have been an elite organization for, I'm going to say, going on 35 years. They don't feel so elite anymore, do they, with what's gone on the last couple years? 
No, you know, absolutely not. And, you know, I think when Bo Levi Mitchell was tearing it up and sort of having, you know, in his prime, let's put it that way, um, they they continued with this sort of Huffnagel. And, you know, when Huffnagel came back from the National Football League and, and he stepped in and they had that early success and then sustained it over time. And then they had their succession programs in place where, you know, Dave Dickinson was going to be elevated at the certain time when Huffnagel was going to go up from the sideline up into the into the management you know department. So he, you know, they 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 seemed to have it it figured out, and they were, you know, every year the Calgary Stampeders lost a big name or two in free agency. I remember thinking, man, this, this is going to really hurt them when it was like a Sean Lemon or somebody like that, and then. You know, they find a way to per, you know, find the next guy, the the replacement. They they did a great job of scouting in down south. I know there's a lot of people talking about no Kadeem Carey this year in their backfield. Well, Dietrich Mills and Peyton Logan are a great one-two combination there. I, I think it's a pressure year in Calgary for Jake Mayer. I, I really do, because we've seen great flashes of Jake Mayer, and I believe they can win with him. I really do. I think he's got the right mindset. I think he, he's, he, he reminds me a little when I talk to him of Zach Kolaris a few years ago when Zach sort of decided, I'm going to learn the nuance of Canadian football because so many American quarterbacks come up and they, they are, first of all, get the, the early wake-up call that this league is great, it's fast, the athletes are outstanding. Okay, so that thought of coming up here and just stepping on the field and dominating disappears pretty quickly. Then they have to start to understand the game, the changes. Now, if your coaching staff is getting flipped and things are happening that way, you start fresh every year. That hasn't been the thing in Calgary. Calgary's had that succession plan. So now the pressure shifts. And, hey, this organization, coaches, management have won. So the, the players have to know now that it's, it's up to them. It's, it's ownership. And Jake Mayer leads that group. So I think he can do it. But the pressure will be on him probably more than any quarterback out of the gate in the league. That'll be an interesting storyline to watch. I want to talk a little bit more about the Stampeders and the BC Lions when we come back. You're listening to The Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Gloria Evans and Suits are carrying me, just carrying me to the finish line on this edition of the Sports Cage. Uh, Brendan McGuire with you here in our final segment. And uh, Glenn Suter, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the Calgary Stampeders and the BC Lions. Now, with the Stampeders, uh, we saw Dave Dickinson take on a lot of hats last year. We've seen Chris Jones wear a lot of hats in Edmonton. We saw Orlando Steinhauer wear a lot of hats in Hamilton. And things didn't go so well there either. And now Orlando has uh, taken off a few of those hats. Your old pal Kent Austin had an impeccable resume as a CFL head coach until he started wearing too many hats in Hamilton. Have we learned through all of this that the solution to manage the football ops cap is not to wear too many hats for one guy. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, those those decisions are made team to team, of course. But, yes, um, you know, uh, especially when you're going, I mean, 
to me, the priority, once you have your head coach in place, if, if he can handle the coordination of the offensive defense, Dave Dickinson's been doing it for a while. Mark Mueller took over a little bit last year, and then they sort of platooned it a little bit, I think, at the end of the year. Um, but there are some that can pull it off. I, I think ideally, though, you have your head coach. There's so many things happening on the field that you have to manage, especially in the final three minutes of the first half and, and of the game in the CFL that – are, are crucial. There's so many games won and lost in that final three minutes, probably over 60% this year, um, that one wrong decision and you're done, you're toast. So um, I think ideally, you, you know, you spend your money head a, OC and DC first. And then if you're going to have restraints or, or issues in budgeting, it's further down the line. It's the DB guy or the running backs coach or whatever. But I, I would go head coach, O and DC, separate guys, and then a quarterback coach that, that is possibly separate from your offensive coordinator and your, your head coach. Uh, I, I think that buffer has worked well in the past too. I mean, again, you know, like, there has been coaches that have been successful doing both Mark Tressman comes to mind and guys that can call plays, but still be the head coach and make those decisions in real time. And they're, and they're fine with it. So it has worked, uh, but it, it, it's very time consuming away from game day when you have to put together everything and then still do your media and all that stuff that you have to do as a head coach. But as the OC, you still have to do all your game planning and playbook work and all that stuff. So very time-consuming. It's crazy how much the game has changed. I know that when I was a young fan and you were still playing, if you look at the Riders Media Guide from the early 90s, I think you had like six assistants and one head coach. And I'm not saying that we need to go back to that, but it's also a sign of just how things have changed and how much you, ha- how many more responsibilities are out there and how you have to co- compartmentalize things as well. I wanted to ask you about the BC Lions. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. got his contract extension good for him he's a fun player to watch he looked amazing on the night here where the lions lost last year he passed for almost 500 yards he's always been hit or miss for me and i still feel like va has something to prove if he is a star quarterback i'm not sure that i I'm not sure I put him in that conversation yet. Not that his upside hasn't shown it. It's the consistency. What about for you? Does VA still have something to prove to you to be in that upper echelon of elite quarterbacks? Well, I think, you know, all of them, no matter who you're talking about, you you sort of put them in a different category once they win, once they win it all, once they're that quarterback that does. Now, I know people bring up Dan Marino and those those kind of guys that were fantastic Hall of Famers that didn't win the championship. But um, I I think with Vernon Adams, uh, he's got all the tools. And, again, I've got to know Vernon this year because of all our Zoom calls and all our talks before games. We get a chance to – you know, sort of get to know the guys and what they do. And Vernon Adams is, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough his leadership qualities. I mean, he, he does stuff that nobody knows about that resonate through his team. Like he just, 
you know, he, he does stuff like helps the equipment guy out with the laundry at the end of practice when it's all over the locker room and everybody's leaving and the equipment guy's by himself and Vernon Adams goes in there and cleans it up. He doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't make a big deal of it. He just, he just leads by example and he does it well. I think the only thing Vernon Adams needs to take him one more step is a running game. <laughs> I, honestly, and that's why I'm intrigued by the signing of William Stanback. And and players like William that um, have been stars in the league but then switch teams. That usually goes in one or two directions. They have really something to prove, a bit of a chip. They want to show that they can – you know, make this move. They're a free agent. They get they get, they're in a new team and they want to prove something, or it goes the other way. So, uh, you know, a real strong running game and balance, I think, for Vernon Adams takes the BC Lions to another level. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of a new dimension it adds for them, and uh, if he can iron out those inconsistencies. When I see Vernon Adams, I see a lot of. Matt Stafford earlier in his career in the NFL, there was a lot of complaining that he had tremendous upside. I know they're not quite the same quarterback. VA is a lot more mobile than Matt Stafford, but uh, I think the comparison is there, and I think the best is still yet to come for Vernon Adams Jr. and the BC Lions. Well, Suits, I'm going to end this segment with the... uh, I'm thinking of the quote in my mind of what John Wells said to you that night at, I think it was Commonwealth Stadium. Partner, thanks for carrying me. Have a good night. <laughs> grapes. Eat grapes before you go on the air. I don't know why they work, but they seem to work. That is good. Good job, Brennan. That, that is good advice from a true, proven professional. I will take that advice. <laughs> good job. You got through it. Way to go, Brennan. Take he care, survived. man. This is great. And we've got, uh, Gloria, we've got all these treats sitting around the office. And uh, now I can just go stuff my face. Yeah, with now you can I have don't, some. I don't have to talk on the air anymore. Because you know what's really going to work for your throat is uh, eating some of those uh, uh, Old Dutch uh, Ridges potato chips. And they've got honey in them. So honey is supposed to be good, right? Well, I had a teacher in high school who said you can eat cheesies because they have cheese in them. Okay. And that's good for you. Well, there you go. And you get to take one of these bags home. Once again, thanks to Old Dutch for dropping off some products. We'll have a, a little bit of a TikTok up on our uh, TikTok site. Uh, James was the name of James the fellow, Kozak. Right? James yes. Kozak, Old Dutch. He just wanted to make sure everybody had a taste of something new that's coming this weekend. And he wanted to say hello to all the nice people listening in Leader, Saskatchewan, where he lived for a very long time. So that was a very nice appearance by him. Thank you for bailing us out, Gloria, on uh, this terrific Tuesday. Hey, this has been a fun adventure for me. Usually I'm up early and I don't. I get to listen, but I don't get to participate. So thank you very much. And you can see just how immature those of us who run the sports cage <laughs> truly are thank you to everybody who texted in and our guests who came on the program the sports cage is a proud presentation of rider radio 620 ckrm